0: life ever thrown you a curveball that you weren't sure what to do with? You know, the kind where you think someone should really do something about this. Have you ever thought maybe that someone is me and then found yourself on a grand adventure you never saw coming? Me too. As a special needs mom, I have been saddened by what's available to my son, but instead of wallowing in it, I decided to do something about it. Along the way, I'm meeting extraordinary people and having the most wonderful experiences I never thought I'd have. I'm so inspired by what's happening around me that I want to share it all with you. Living Your Legacy is a community where ordinary people who have been called to create something bigger than themselves can come together to be inspired, connect, learn, and live into the legacies they want to see in the world. I'm your host, Michelle Slaney-Trovato, and this is the Living Your Legacy podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Living Your Legacy podcast. I am your host, Michelle Slaney-Trovato, and I am so excited to be welcoming back a guest who's really talking about something very profound that affects the lives of so many people um and i think that it's really worth unpacking more of her journey and what she envisions for other people and how she wants to support them so lauren thank you so much for joining us again thanks for having me back so again i want to just point out that lauren is a metastatic breast cancer survivor of 7 years as of the time of this recording she is the founder of adventure therapy foundation and here she innovatively addresses and acknowledges what she calls the emotional side effects of cancer. That's really profound. And I definitely want to dig into that. Lauren is disrupting the mindsets on cancer survivorship and transforming expectations around a post-cancer life. There is so much in there. I, am, I have so many questions for you. So Lauren, tell us a little bit, first of all, about the Adventure Therapy Foundation and your diagnosis, how you went from
1: diagnosis to the foundation. I just knew I, when I was diagnosed with metastatic disease, I I knew I had to do something purposeful. When you have news like that, such a trauma in your life, you have sort of two choices. You can live in the pain of it and just continue to carry that pain, or you can find some purpose. And the purpose sort of helps us elevate ourselves out of the muck and the hurt and the disappointment and pulls us forward. And that is really what I was looking for in, um, in when I started this project, it it is my life. I love it. It gives me purpose every single day. I serve so many people and I I don't live with any regret because all that I do, I know is making an impact at least in a life today. And over time, over the years, every day that I make an impact in one life, these are adding up. And so, this helps me live, um, again, with just no regrets. Even if my life is cut short by cancer, I feel like I'm living a very full life. And I, I that is meaningful. It's deeply meaningful for me. And I love that you referenced there about the ripple effect that we have on people.
0: There are lots of negative ripples that we certainly all felt. And getting a cancer diagnosis, I think, is like that big rock dropping in because your whole life changes in that moment. Um, But then to look at what ripples do I want to create, this thing is happening to me. uh, But what do I want to do with that? What to who do I want to be? Who, how do I want to be remembered? How do I want to live my life? What ripples will I put out there? That's so powerful, because not everybody gets to that place. Sometimes people, well, they kind of pull up and park in the misery and stay there. So what do you think was one of the things or one of the reasons that made you move from misery into that optimism and hope?
1: It it was probably what they tell us all is it was this low point. I woke every day after my initial or my diagnosis, I would wake up and essentially prepare my family's life for my death. And this went on for about 10 weeks for 10 weeks. I cleaned closets. I separated things into three piles for each of my children I tried to make legacy jewelry. I did all of these things that simply would make their lives better when I was gone. And after 10 weeks, I realized I emotionally was getting worse and worse every day in these projects, that the darkness around me was just growing, and I didn't feel any more prepared to die. And so I wondered if I was going to live every day that I had for death, what was I going to die? I mean, there was nothing valuable in my life at that moment. Mm. And so I decided that I would stop living to die and I would just start living, um, living with purpose and intention and point myself in any other direction. And one morning, so any, this happened in sort of an epiphany. I woke up, I felt sort of sealed to the side of my bed. I couldn't move because I thought if I took one more day toward this darkness, toward this dark space that led me to think about death, I might never recover. I might never emerge from this darkness again. And I had to make a conscious decision about what I wanted to be, who I wanted to be, what I wanted to point my thoughts toward. And I sat there sort of stuck on the side of my bed until I decided there was nothing good for me in pointing myself toward death, toward toward darkness, toward toward feeling sorry for myself. Mm -hmm. There's nothing positive for me there. And so I sat there until I was ready to point myself toward anything else. And I, and I had this sort of constricting feeling and this expansive feeling as I thought of hopeful things, I felt expansive and I just decided, even if nothing good came out of it, at least I wouldn't feel like I was being crushed. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to live in hope. Um, I've later called it irrational optimism. I had nothing to put my hope on, right? There was no promise of tomorrow. My disease was not, I was not getting a good prognosis here. But at least I would spend every day I had not feeling like I was already dead, already Mm -hmm. mourning for my life. And so I pointed myself toward hope. And it took a lot of discipline to change those patterns of thought, right? We would get very comfortable with living in fear Mm -hmm. and it doesn't, you can't just turn it off. These are habits. And so it took a lot of discipline to point myself, my thoughts, my actions towards something different, toward hope. But over time, I grew this in me. And now that is just the way I am. I live in hope. Wow. That is profound.
0: I know people who stub their toe and feel like the world is, you know, coming crashing in around them. And for you to get uh, a diagnosis where you did not know how much time you were going to have. And at the time, you had three small children to say, I, I am not going to live this way because I'm not living. I'm just really waiting to die. And that's not what I want for me. That's not what I want for my family. And then to make the active decision, and I'm sure it was a minute by minute decision for a long time to choose hope. That's, that's incredible. Um, And how did that, that choice, when you made that choice and you got off the side of your bed, what started changing for you?
1: Well, first of all, you're exactly right. At the beginning, it is a minute by minute choice. Um, You have, you have these thoughts, they're going to circle in your mind, you have to choose to not engage with them. And then over time, you get to an hour by hour, day by day, and it becomes less frequent, but it is an intentional choice at the beginning. And what that did is kept me from being frozen, you know, I was frozen. I didn't know what to do before. And then all of a sudden I had hope. And therefore anything I did was okay. You know, anything I wanted to try, I didn't feel like there's any fear. I say that once I overcame the fear of death, there was no fear left for me. Like, what could the world do to me? I could try to start a company. And if I failed, who cared? I might not even be here next week. And somehow that became a liberating thought rather than a constricting thought And I took risks that I would have never taken before. I called and asked for favors that I would have never asked for before. And little by little, I I grew some allies and people to help me out and I, I started a foundation that is extraordinary.
0: Um, Cause I've seen the, you know,
1: those memes that people put out there, you know,
0: what is the definition of fear, forget everything and run or face everything and rise. And you actually live both um, for the first 10 weeks, you were, you know, sort of forgetting everything and preparing for the end. And then you decided that you were done with that. And it was time to rise and, and really step into your own power and to put that fear aside and say, you're right. Like, what do I have to lose if the business fails? Oh, well, You know, it's a whole different perspective on the world. And I love that you chose then to take that and launch it into a foundation. So tell me the story of how your foundation came to be.
1: Yeah, I was, I was on a backpacking trip in Yosemite and I really just wanted to figure out how to help people because I knew I wanted to do something with my story, but I didn't know how. And I got to this ridge and I looked out and I just saw this horizon. And at this point I'd been in treatment a little bit and I felt very like all of the medicine was in these silos. You went to this person for this information and that person for that information and nobody really knew what the other people were doing. But when I looked out from this horizon, it felt like everything was so connected. The woods, the animals, the growth, the death, all of it was so connected. And all I knew at that moment is I wanted to give people that feeling. I didn't want people to live in isolation when they were impacted by cancer. That, that was just not okay. Mm -hmm. I didn't want people to live in a way where their lives weren't integrated with other cancer survivors, with people who are stage four and stage one with children, without children. I wanted us to stand together. And that horizon somehow just made all of that come alive in my mind. And so I began with adventure therapy because I love the outdoors. It is there's something that can just heal us, give us just calmness and peace, even when everything else is out of control. I can't explain it. I don't know that many people can, but I knew that it was a real thing. So I wanted this adventure piece, this this nature piece, to be alive. But I wanted them to experience something and that could take something home with them. When they went home, they should feel connected with the family. They should feel. At peace, they should have left some part of their yuck there on that retreat and gone home and taken some of that forced feeling home with them. And that's all I really knew at the beginning. But it was enough for me to get started amazing. So when you started, what did you
0: start with? how How did this foundation kind of come to be, and what did it offer?
1: i um I made a phone call. I called a random person who I had met in the airport who said he would help me if I ever wanted to do something with my story. And he set it all up um, as far as the foundation. And I started out with retreats. I offered families um, free vacation to a place they'd never been to do something they had never done. And that's all. That's all I had at the beginning. I fundraised for every individual family. And as soon as I had enough money, I was sending someone out the next day for sure. I didn't let anything sit on. You sit still. You know, I, I am very much full of urgency. Not because I'm afraid that there's not tomorrow, but because there's so much to be done today. So even to this day, I every day is full of urgency. And even to this day, I'm already like planning for the money that hasn't quite come in yet. I've always got new programs coming out because it is so important. Um, and so this is where it began with retreats for families. And over the years, I've developed a cancer coaching program that's virtual and free and online. I plan to release a book in the spring. It's in editing right now. Um, We're going to launch a podcast in the fall. Um, We have a lot of programs and supports coming out to help people in any stage of their cancer experience. Wow. I think I'm going to say that word an awful lot uh, in this
0: podcast because so many people would not do what you're doing. So many people would not make that choice. They might like cocoon themselves and their family and, and probably just wait for the end, right? Spend that time. Whereas you've decided to be expansive and abundant in your thinking and saying, I don't know how much time I have left, but I'm going to use it to help as many people as I can. Uh, And the ripple effects into their families. Um, And I, I love your, analogy of the horizon and seeing how it's all interconnected and understanding that, that a cancer diagnosis is interconnected with a lot of things for people. Um, so tell me a little bit about the coaching side of things and what that entails for families with that kind of a diagnosis.
1: Coaching, I don't believe cancer coaching is very widely understood or known about, but there are organizations that can certify you and I'm about to be certified this month. Congratulations. And, yeah, and it is really about exploring what you're feeling about your cancer experience. I think most cancer patients can can agree that the people in close around you, you don't want to burden them. They're already taking care of your meals and your finances and driving you to treatment. You don't want to unload your heart and your hurts to them emotionally, but it's hard to find patients, other, other survivors around you in your community who you can speak with. Mm -hmm. So a cancer coach is just someone who can hold space, can listen to you, who can, who knows the rhythms of healing and lead you forward in that. It's not therapy. We're not talking about your mom. We're not trying to like sell you anything. Like it's really just about helping you process the hurts that you're experiencing now and helping you release those so that you can move forward in healing. Because there is a lot of grief to be processed in the cancer experience. There is a lot of identity shifting. We Everything we thought we took for granted about who we were is now gone or in question. And so there's tons of processing that has to happen there. Uh, and unless we, as um, the people impacted by cancer, can do that processing, we can't tell our families what's happening inside. We have to find our own words, mm-hmm. and they, in order to teach our families to understand what's where we want to go, who we want to be, and all of that really has to happen with someone who's listening and someone who can um, really ask the right questions and help you process properly. Amazing.
0: So the coaching that you have and the um, the training, the online training that you have, is that designed specifically for cancer, people with a cancer diagnosis, their families, all of the above? Like who is that for?
1: Yeah, it's all of the above. The The platform I've designed is, found, is risefound.org. And what I've done there is I'm really establishing common experiences in the cancer experience. So we have people talking about the challenges around parenting and marriage advocacy um sex even like everything that is deeply impacted but you don't realize how it is being impacted um it's not something your doctor's going to talk to you about but as you shift and as your your life shifts it's really a ripple effect as you said it's going out it's impacting your children it's impacting all of these things. And we have to be aware that this is normal. This is so normal guys. It is a typical response to cancer. We just don't know that yet. People aren't, there's no evidence. There's no research-based evidence that says this is a normal aspect of cancer, but I'm telling you, I've heard hundreds and hundreds of stories and we're all going through these same experiences And so if you go onto this website, if you're a caregiver or a family member, this is education. You can hear the hearts of the people who have had time to process this impact. And it's just going to give you so many aha moments. Like you look at the one you love and you're like, oh, I bet this is really happening. I can sort of see this playing out in their life. Um, And if you are impacted by cancer, you can go on there and say, This is not just me. (laughs) I'm Mm -hmm. not the only one who's having a hard time right now. Everyone goes through these things. And the purpose of this is really to minimize shame, right? Because we have these hurts and these disappointments and these things that are going on, but then we're sort of ashamed of it. We don't want to talk about it. We want to hide it. We want to pretend like everything's okay, mm-hmm. but just putting the shame on top of these emotional side effects of cancer compounds them, makes them twice as hard. And so I'm really trying to just bring all of this to light so we can, we can heal quicker. That is again, wow.
0: And so inspiring. Um, So looking at this, assuming, I mean, lots of people, I don't know the statistics on it and and the statistics in the States and Canada are probably very similar, Um, but what is one piece of advice you would give someone who maybe just got a diagnosis of cancer?
1: The number one thing you have to do is eliminate isolation. Find a person. They do not have to have your same diagnosis. They should more likely be someone in your age group. If you're a young mom, find a young mom. If you're a young dad, find a young dad. It doesn't matter if they have the same kinds of cancer. Later that will come. But initially, the thing you have to do is eliminate that isolation. Have someone that says, I'm a young mom and I got through it. If you're going to get through it. We're going to get through it together. Um, that is just such a relief. Later, you can find people who have your same treatment. There are tons of Facebook groups. You can ask medical questions um, about specific treatments. But initially, you need that person who knows how to manage life. Because if you're like me, your life is more important than your treatments. How to, you know, get the naps during the day after treatment and then still pick up the kids at night. Like that's more important to me than what's the next treatment dose going to look like? Because my kids, my family, my real life, not my medical life is so much more significant to me. So find that person who is in the same moment of life, who can, who can stand with you in this. That's
0: very profound.
1: Um, And I like what you said there. In my
0: real life, not my medical life. Uh, Too many people, I think, allow their medical life to become their real life. Like it takes over everything, um, all their thought processes, all the things um, in their lives, all the actions they take or don't take. And I like how you've separated those two um, because one does not have to take over the other, um, which is so profound because, again, in the face of fear... Right. Fear, fear makes us smaller. It makes us protective. It makes us hide. It generally doesn't bring out anything positive in people. And so being able to say, yes, there's this thing in my medical life and it's maybe not great, but then there's this other piece of my life that still is and can be. And so, putting shifting your focus to how can I make my medical the medical part of my life work with what's really actually very important to me—my family, my spouse, whatever it is that that people have—I um, love that you said that. So, how many people have worked with you over the years?
1: I have no idea because I don't, I'm not good at taking the time and going backward. I'm always just looking at what's coming, Mm -hmm. Um, but we've served, we've served at least a hundred families with retreats. I have no idea how many people I've spoken to, but one person a day is probably pretty accurate. Um, Yeah. My, my work just, I'm always moving forward. I'm actually now trying to collect a team who can gather this kind of information for me because I really just don't have any desire. All I want to do is move forward. But I know it's not a good business model. So um, hundreds is safe to say hundreds.
0: Wow. Hundreds of people impacted by your decision on the side of your bed to get up and live in hope and optimism, rather than staying in the bed and being paralyzed by your fear. And as you said, living to die. Um, that's extraordinary. So tell me a little bit about your children and how, how you broke the news to your children and how are they handling things now?
1: Yeah, this is a great question and a very, very difficult question. People struggle with Mm -hmm. Um, telling your children about your diagnosis. Um, I received, um, I received advice very early on and I've lived by this advice and I, I continue to repeat it because I think it's full of wisdom. Um, when you withhold information from your children, especially in times of stress, they know that they, they can feel that with you. Right. Mm-hmm. And over time, as they grow, they expect they don't expect you to really tell them the truth anymore. They think whenever something's getting bad in life, you're not going to give them the full truth. And that will continue to ripple in their life. And as they are married and things get hard, they will again have this level of mistrust present. For me personally, the way I think about it is, yes, at the beginning as a parent, I know my job is to protect my children from hurt. And what happens when I am the hurt that's that's coming into their life, right? And so it's a natural response almost to sort of build a barrier between my kids and my cancer and to keep it there. The problem is cancer isn't in a box. It's impacting my mental health. It's impacting my financial health. It's impacting lots of things. So if you're going to keep your children out of your cancer experience, you're going to build a lot of walls between you and them. Mm -hmm. And over time, that's going to create a distance. You're going to have a frail relationship. So when you're thinking about talking to your children, don't, don't focus on this moment, They might cry. They might have a week of really hard time, but over time, they'll know you trust them and they will trust you in return. And over time, they can join you and be a partner in whatever solution, whatever purpose comes from your cancer. So we have to think about parenting on the long term. That's how we should think as parents. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't be thinking about today, my kid wants a cookie. And if I don't give it to them, they're going to cry. So I'll just give it to them, right? We know that doesn't create good patterns in life. So with cancer, we have to sort of remember, we are in it for this long haul with our children. We're looking at the rest of their life, not what's best today, but what's best for them in their adult life and really make decisions based on that. That's amazing. And are your children connected to your foundation? Do they help you with your fundraising? How are they involved in this amazing life you're leading? Yeah, definitely. They, they attend the retreats with me. Now this year we had community retreats. We took multiple family groups together. My children attended. They are great little camp counselors. They, one of my daughters makes balloon animals every, you know, one night, the other one leads an art class the next night. They all have really great skills and they are very good at scooping all the kids up and making sure each one of them is loved individually Um, the, their empathy is, you know, off the charts, there, there's nothing that they can't view, but find sort of empathy and love and compassion for, and move into that space with that person and just sit with them. So I'm very proud of the people they're becoming for sure.
0: Wow. Um, it's amazing when you make the choice as the mom to get off your bed, I'm going to step into hope. I'm going to choose to live there. What kind of impact that has on your children? That's an extraordinary legacy because they will talk about that into their futures, right? with their friends and their partners and boyfriends, girlfriends, you know, life partners, all that kind of stuff. they will they will educate the people around them about stepping into hope because they watched you make that decision. Um, and I love what you said about, you know, loving, watching the people that they're becoming. That is such a proud parent moment when you know that because you chose the path less traveled, you chose the more difficult route of trying to live in hope and optimism and create a life when you don't know how long your life is going to be, that it's a gift you've given your children that they can then give to others. Um, I love the advice about not keeping them out of bad news because um, you are right. Kids are very intuitive and very smart and they know really quickly when something is not right And when maybe they are not being given the whole picture, you know, adults get quiet when they walk in the room or conversations suddenly stop on the telephone or mom closes the computer when I show up or she's always putting her phone face down versus, you know, leaving it up because she doesn't want me to see what's on there. Um, And that fear can be promoted forward through them, too which is not what we want as parents. We want our children to live in hope and happiness and, and optimism and the belief that they, can, that they can go out and create amazing things in the world. So uh, yay for you for making that decision because it, it could not have been an easy one. You speak about it with ease now, but I imagine in the moments where you're sitting there and you have to tell these children in front of you, This awful thing and you don't know exactly what to do or what to say or how to help them respond to it because you're still figuring out how to help you respond to it, that you made those choices to work through the mess so that your children knew that no matter how yucky it all was, that you were all working through the mess together and that you were still there to be their support system and to answer their questions. Um, There's something really amazing and profound about that. And whether or not our audience has a cancer diagnosis, um, there's an amazing parenting tip just right there. Um, No matter what yuck we're all facing, that it's so important to collect our children and bring them with us. Because the more we educate them, the more they will educate the future. On our behalf, um, so profound there. So, I would like to know a little bit more about where you see your legacy going from here. You talked about being a forward thinker, so let's let's look forward and see where do you see yourself. What did you? What do you see happening? Have
1: enough time. <laughs> I, yes, I I have some really big ideals, um, and I don't know how far into them I will get, but I am willing to try every day because. That's the only way I'll get any closer at all. So I definitely am taking baby steps. So these are huge, huge ideals, but I truly want to bring change to the systematic uh, experience of cancer mm-hmm. and systematic meaning everyone, everywhere. When you are diagnosed with cancer, I want to have a piece that I put there for you. Um, I, and right now that looks like I really like to impact the survivorship, the emotional impact of cancer. Mm-hmm. Because that's just a blank slate. There are so few resources there. And I I fully acknowledge that I'm a seven-year survivor of metastatic disease. Most women don't get to live this long. Mm -hmm. So I have more experience in this area because of the great medical breakthroughs that have come. But I also have a great responsibility to say the things women before me did not get a chance to say. Um, and so it, it, is, it is a burden. It is liberating. It is exciting. Um, but I really want to, again, put a piece into that experience of cancer. So the day you're diagnosed, something I've created is handed to you and said, this will make your life better. This will make the experience of cancer better. I've designed I've like I said I have a book I've actually have an app in beta I have no idea how I'm going to fund it right now but it will change the experience of cancer if someone will listen and believe in me I I know it will change the experience of cancer and so I have a number of tools I'm designing which one will get traction and be that thing that shows up for people I don't know but I'm going to keep sort of fishing, throwing, throwing these ideas out, hoping something catches and um, just continue to, to spread my story. Again, wow. So
0: how can, how can we help you? How can our audience support you? Um, how can people who are called to, to get behind your mission reach you, be a part of this, any of those things?
1: Yes. Well, you could always become a donor. Like I said, I am all I'm creating things at all times. I need funding at all times. A monthly donor is a huge gift because then I have the consistency there. If you were happen to be a grant writer, I could use a team of grant writers um, because I think this all has clinical value. It has huge implications, but the right kind of people need to be writing these research grants and support grants for me. Um, If you're a publisher and you want to tell my story, I have a book. I have many more in my head. I would love to do that. So there's so many ways that you could um, get involved. You could support our mission. Um, Even just telling your friend who does have cancer because we want to support people all over the nation, um, all over the world, and our our cancer program is free. Our coaching program is there, and I, I guarantee you, if you have a friend impacted by cancer, they will find something meaningful on that platform. Um, there's very few resources like it available, and um, I've done good work to find experts in every area that we've we've covered, and, and whether it's like I said, parenting or marriage or just about anything. Um, There's information there and resources for you as well. Extraordinary. So if somebody's
0: got the time and the willingness, they can do some fundraising or become a donor. I would assume you'd accept fundraised money from somebody throwing a fundraiser. That would be extraordinary. But also just to be that voice to say to a friend, if you need help, I heard this place that might be able to help you is just as profound because that could change the trajectory of somebody's life. Just that one little sentence at the right time when somebody is receptive to that. Um, I am truly inspired by you and by, um, by how you've chosen to, to move forward in a situation where the world told you there was no forward to move into. I am so inspired by the work that you're doing that, um, again, if there's anybody out in podcast land who happens to be a grant writer or a marketer or a book publisher or a fundraising expert, um, I would highly recommend that you reach out to Lauren and get connected with her so that you could um, be a part of an extraordinary movement forward. And that really is living your legacy. When I talk about that, that is what I'm referring to. Moving forward in your life, making a decision that there's something bigger than you that you're called to do and then taking action to make it happen. And I am so blessed to have been put together with you today, Lauren, to learn about you and hear your story. I'm very inspired um, by the fact that you you have quite literally everything to lose. And yet you're there putting everything out there in the world to gain. So I'm really thankful for that. Lauren, how can people again, find you and get connected with you?
1: You can find my foundation at adventuretherapyfoundation.org. If you want to learn more about me and my philosophies and the work I'm doing, you can go to laurenhuffmaster.com. Awesome. Awesome. And then there's also
0: risefound.org. Where people risefound.org go. is our free cancer coaching program. Amazing. So if you know someone who has cancer, um, I highly recommend that you um, either write that down today or check the show notes because those links will be in there and suggest that they have a look there. Um, Lauren offered some amazing words of advice about getting connected with other cancer survivors so that the person who's got the diagnosis has a place where they can unload all the hurt and the fear and the worry Um, to somebody who gets it so that they can show up in their own lives as the best version of themselves in one of the worst situations possible. I am so grateful that you have given me some of your time today. I know you're at a conference and you're hanging out in your hotel room and it's getting late. Um, So I really do appreciate that you've given me this time. Um, Lauren, I really want to say thank you. Uh, there's, I am not known for not having any words and a lot of what you said has kind of left me a little speechless, um, where I really need to think about the impact of that, you know, when the day is just kind of getting rough and, and, you know, nothing's going right and everybody's late for school and the dog won't stop barking and all these other things that are, you know, in the moment, highly irritating. Um, it's important to be able to put things in perspective and, thank you for sharing your perspective because my worst day is never going to be equal to yours. And so something to think about there, right? When you think like, oh, the world is, the sky is falling in, everything is just so awful that, that you've had this really awful thing put in front of you. And you've said, okay, after 10 weeks, I I'm going to do something about this because it's not going to define me. I am going to define what this looks like in my life and in the lives of as many people as I can reach. And there's something very profound in the legacy of that. I really wish you the best of luck getting all that information out there and I look forward to one day saying, "Oh, I interviewed her. How awesome. I know who that is and the story of how that got into your hands. I really look forward to that day because I think that will be quite a breakthrough for so many people. So thank you again so much for sharing your words of wisdom with us today. It's meant a lot. Well, thank you for having me. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, again, check those show notes, you will find the links to be able to find Lauren and her online coaching and her adventure therapy foundation. And again, if you want to, if you're looking for a legacy to get to become a part of, if you're looking to you got some time and some energy and you want to hold a fundraiser, and you're looking for where that money can go, I highly recommend having a look at all this and getting in touch with Lauren to see how you can help support other families who really need this in their lives to be able to move from a place of sadness um, and despair into joy and hope. So please do check the show notes, reach out and connect with her. I can guarantee you won't regret it. Thank you again, Lauren. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please submit a rating and review and share it with a friend. Together, we can inspire more people to start living their legacy too. And let's keep the conversation going. We would love to hear all about your journey in living your legacy and support you along the way. Join our Facebook community, Living Your Legacy Podcast, where we connect, collaborate, and celebrate each other. Can't wait to see you there.